What is going on, guys? And welcome to another episode of the Lean365 podcast. Today, I'm going to do my first Q&A. So I put up a poll on Instagram about a week ago, about a few days ago, actually, and just ask you guys a few questions about really anything. So me being up here in Dubai, um, business, fitness, of course, really anything that is going to provide value and maybe just give you a little bit of an insight into my current life as well. Um, we're still here, which is good. I'm actually moving Airbnbs today, which is a little bit of a pain in the ass, but only intended to book just one month in my first Airbnb and hoping to get something sorted more permanently out here in Dubai. But unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. It's been a little bit slow getting all my ID sorted, I'm, but hopefully we should be home and dry by next week, ready to find a rental before the end of the year. Um, so that's me at the moment anyway, but this is going to be the last podcast I'm recording on the marina. Um, and then I'll be moving to another Airbnb later today and then most likely be back on the marina as that's where I'm intending on living in Dubai. Um, just need to find the right place, of course. Anyway, so I'm going to go straight into the questions. So we've got a few here, um, some good questions, actually. Um, so I'm going to go straight into them and um, hopefully you guys take a little bit of value from them. So first question we got was, what body fat is the minimum uh, or the sort of highest someone should be for a shoot? Now, this is an interesting one. And it's going to be one of those answers, which is, is it depends. It depends on the person. Um, I wouldn't really be like trying to aim for a specific level of body fat for a shoot. Um, you know, I'm a big believer that a shoot is about you versus you. It's your journey. Um, there's real no expectations for a photo shoot. You know, you can do more of a confidence-based shoot and not maybe be as lean as, as what we're kind of thought as you should be for a shoot. Um, or of course, you know, you might be that sort of person that wants to see like how lean they can really get. There's not really like a... Uh, a specific way you have to look to do a photo shoot. I've seen lots of people successfully do them and look lots of different ways. So that's the first thing. I wouldn't really have an expectation towards how you think you should look for a photo shoot. Just do your absolute best to get into shape, you versus you. And what we always see in clients is they often end up wanting to do more shoots and, and see if they can beat their old condition. Like for me, I've done about four or five shoots to this date. Um, and every single time it's just been that process of trying to improve on my previous condition, trying to get into even better shape this time. Um, and it's just always been me versus me. Um, I don't think you should get too competitive around how you think you should look for a photo shoot. And that's why I'm a massive fan of photo shoots as well, because I think that you're not comparing yourself to other people. Like competitions are fantastic. Absolutely hats off to people that do them, but you, know, you are compared to other people. You're sat there in front of a panel of judges um, or stood there rather and, and being judged. So with a photo shoot, there's no real expectation to it. Um, now, what I would say is everyone's going to carry fat in different places. So you could be a guy and you could have a six pack at around 15% body fat. Some guys could because you could be carrying body fat in places where your abs still come through. Um, you could be a guy who's around 10% body fat and still not have a six pack or still not see your abs because you carry body fat in a more stubborn area. So looking at it from a, a sort of arbitrary number is probably not a good thing to try and aim for. Um, typically, I was going to say most guys would probably fall between 10 and 12% to start seeing really, really um, you know, desirable effects in terms of their physique if they are if they are looking for that sort of six pack look. But really, there's not a number that I would be I'd be kind of aiming for. Um, I would look more on how you how you look, how you feel, and really just try and do your absolute best in that one. Um, I've got no idea what body fat I've coming at for my most recent shoots. Um, I want to say sub 10%, but I don't really know if I'm if I'm being completely honest. I don't really use body fat as a measure towards my progress. I'd much rather use things like weight, which I think is important. Um, and of course, how you actually look. Like, are you looking the way you want to look for your photo shoot? So that's what I would say for that one. Next question. Um, 
it's not a sort of specific question, but I kind of understand what this person is trying to get at. They said flexible dieting, sugar and carbs. So with this one, first thing I would say is I think flexible dieting is great, but I also think it can be, if it's done in the wrong way, um, it is a, is a poor dieting technique as well. I think that you do need something a bit more than just a, a flexible approach. I'm a massive believer that you have to have structure. So yes, be flexible. Um, that's absolutely fine. Make sure you can kind of switch in and out some of the foods that you actually enjoy. But if you are just completely flexible and you don't have a rough structure that you would be following for certain meals, you are going to struggle. I think that successful dieters have, they narrow down the meals they enjoy and they kind of eat a lot of that same type of food. Um, like myself, for example, out here in Dubai is a little bit of a different story. I'm pretty much following the meal plan. But even when I was eating with other people um, at different times of my life, I've always had very similar breakfast, very similar lunch, and then maybe just sort of changed up my evening meals. So I guess my flexible part has come more from the evening meal and more around the weekends. And then I've always been a lot more structured with my nutrition in the week. Um, but flexible dieting is a great approach. Without a doubt, it can work really, really well. Um, and it's definitely something that I think as you start to learn more about food and you start to get more knowledge and more understanding around nutrition, you can start to be a lot more flexible. But I think at the start, naturally, if you've got quite poor eating habits, you don't really know what you're doing. You do need something a little bit more rigid to begin with to really start seeing progress. And then obviously start being a little bit more flexible potentially after that. Um, in terms of the sharks and the, the, the sharks, the sugar and the carbs debate, now, carbs will not make you fat, okay? It goes without absolutely saying here. But as long as you're in a calorie deficit, then you are going to be losing body fat. Fat's your goal. You don't need to worry too much about what you're, how many carbs you're consuming. Really, the, the bad rap around carbs comes because a lot of the kind of bad foods that potentially see you not being in a calorie deficit, they see you eating too much and see you gaining weight, they are high in carbs. So this is why carbs get a really bad rap because a lot of these kind of quote unquote bad foods are high in them. But if you have the right source of carbs and you make sure you're in a calorie deficit, as I say, like you are still gonna see fantastic progress. And we have to remember that carbs are our primary source of energy, okay? Unless you literally train your body to become ketogenic, which I wouldn't recommend, carbs are gonna be your number one source of energy, glucose, which is what carbs get converted down into. So we have to have them really. Like if we wanna have a lot of energy, we wanna be productive, we wanna feel good, then we need to make sure that we're consuming carbohydrates. So there's absolutely no reason why you would need to ban them at all. Um, in terms of the sugar debate and in terms of maybe like how to time your carbs more effectively, um, I would say around your workout window is probably the most optimal time for, for carbohydrates to be used, um, especially because this is when you're going to need the most fuel for your training so you can train with intensity and go hard in the gym. So I would always make sure your pre and post workout meal contain probably the, the largest portion of the carbs throughout the day. Um, really, it de like depends on what you like having in terms of what you would have. I'm not, I can't really tell you what to eat pre and post gym. Um, for me, I like to have a bowl of porridge before I train. I have a little bit of peanut butter in there as well um, with some fruit. The peanut butter helps to kind of slow down the digestion a little bit of that meal so that I have more energy whilst I'm training. It's more of a sustainable source of energy. And then post-workout, I like to go for something that's got a little bit more of a higher GI, which means that essentially your body's going to absorb it a lot quicker. It has a much faster effect um, in terms of, of how your body's going to utilize that carbohydrates. Uh, and that's uh, some of that cereal for me is what I have post-workout. Um, or you can have like some white rice and some chicken, something like that. It just means that as you start to uh, train with a lot more intensity and you start to almost need a little bit more of a kick post-workout because you're kind of going to need like a glycogen replenishment. So that's why I'd go for something like cereal. And if you do want to have your kind of quote-unquote bad uh, choices of, of food and carbs and be like sweets, whatever, then post-workout is probably a good time to be having that because as I say, you can kind of get away with it a little bit more. Um, but generally we do want to be trying to avoid like 
sugary carbs as much as possible. Obviously, fruit is absolutely fine and you should be eating lots of fruit. You're never going to get fat from doing that, but you don't want to be having too much sugar because that's going to have a big spike on your blood sugar. Um, it's going to see a lot of uh, increase in insulin and insulin is then going to kind of have a little bit of a blocker in terms of your fat reserves. So we want to try and have as many carbs as we can kind of get into our nutrition pre and post workout because that's going to provide us a lot of energy. And then throughout the day, um, you know, potentially in the morning, we want to try and lower our carbohydrate intake a little bit. And that does not mean go no carb, but just be a little bit more careful with the carbs we're consuming, make sure they're maybe not quite so um, impactful in terms of blood sugar levels. And if you're training in the morning, one thing to remember is you don't necessarily have to have a meal pre-workout. So we have a lot of clients that train at sort of 6 a.m. So I'm even training at like 5 a.m. Um, realistically, you're not going to want to get up and have a meal that early because it's just not going to be uh, really conducive towards you getting good sleep, you recovering. So what I would then remember is that your pre-workout meal is essentially going to come from what you have the night before. So your sort of higher carb meal, I would suggest having before you go to bed. That's then going to sit on you whilst you're sleeping. And then obviously in the morning, you're going to be able to use that energy. Um, that's how I would kind of look at carbs. But there is really nothing wrong with sugar and carbohydrates. Uh, they're not going to damage your progress provided you're in a calorie deficit. That's your goal in terms of fat loss. Next question. So being obsessive for tracking your macros. That's an interesting one. Um, I really don't get people when they say this, like that it's obsessive, that it's you know, going to cause an eating disorder. It just isn't. Like if you're, whatever gets measured um, gets managed in life, right? If you're trying to save for a house, you're going to track your finances. You're going to do that every single day. You're going to make sure that you've got money that's being saved each month. It's exactly the same with your health and with trying to build a good physique. Like tracking your calories is just ensuring that you're making progress. It's giving you predictable results because you know, as long as I consume this amount of food, then the chances are I'm probably going to be within my deficit, you know? And it just gives you a lot more reassurance as well. Like we, if we're not tracking our food, it's kind of, we're putting it down to chance as to whether we're potentially in a deficit some days, whether we've lost the amount of fat we want to lose some weeks. It just means that we've got a much better chance of getting towards our goals. I don't think that's obsessive at all. I think that it can become obsessive. And I think it's also healthy to have breaks away from tracking food. I don't think you need to track your food for the rest of your life. I think you can have breaks that you can come away from it. I think you can just learn how to eat intuitively as well. But at the same time, I think most people need to go through a period of potentially six months to 12 months of tracking their food to actually know portion sizes, to know the basics around nutrition, to then be able to actually eat with that intuitive uh, side of eating afterwards. You can't just pretend, but you can't just think you're going to be able to know nutrition really well without actually learning how many calories are in certain types of foods. So I don't think it's obsessive at all. You do not need to track forever. I think it's healthy to have breaks, but I think that at the same time, you, you do need to know the basics around nutrition. And I think there's no faster way in terms of learning that rather than actually tracking your food and using MyFitnessPal to know roughly how many calories are in the food you actually enjoy eating. So if anyone says it's obsessive, I would just tell them to. Uh, get fucked basically <laughs> you don't want to kind of fall into what other people uh, are kind of thinking and obviously stopping them from letting them stop you from reaching your goals okay um, saying you're obsessed obsession is a word the lazy use to describe the dedicated okay remember that quote and you'll be absolutely fine next question how often do you train your abs with this one you okay so me personally I would do it one to two times per week at the moment um, and I just tag it onto the end of my workouts so I do uh, about one to two exercises and it doesn't normally take me longer than 10 minutes just to make sure uh, that I'm kind of hitting them. But in all honesty, that's me. Like at the moment I do have abs, I, I do have a six pack. So for me, it's important to just still kind of make stimulants to stimulate that muscle. 
For a lot of people listening to this, I don't think that they necessarily need to be spending lots of time training abs. I think until you get to a certain point, there's not really huge amounts of, of point in doing it, especially if you're a little bit more limited with your time in the gym. If you've got loads of time in the gym and you're training like four or five days per week, then of course we can put a little bit of abs on to the end of your workouts. But if you're not, you're gonna be able to maximize your time a lot more efficiently from doing some of your bigger compound exercises than worrying about training your abs. So I think it's like every other muscle, we want them to pop, we want them to look more defined, and we want to look more ripped. Of course, we do need to spend some time in, in terms of training them, but I think it's gonna depend on the person as to, as to how much time I would actually spend. I think you do not need to be doing like full-blown ab days and spending lots of time doing them. You could still have a six pack without even training your abs at all, but if you just wanted them to pop a little bit more, look a little bit thicker, a little bit more defined, then you're gonna to wanna to train them probably like one to two times per week. And in terms of which exercises, I would still try and use exercises that are gonna be more weight bearing. So just like with any other muscle group, we wanna use weight to try and stimulate more muscle growth. So things like hanging leg raises are gonna be really good because that's generally a very hard exercise. It's gonna take people to failure. Like weighted crunches are very good because again, you can use weight behind that. Um, just generally maybe using like a medicine ball and doing like decline crunches. Again, that's gonna take you to failure. Just doing like loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of sit-ups is not really a great way of building muscle because to, to hit failure on sit-ups, you're probably gonna end up doing like what 50, 60 for some people. It's a lot of reps, which is kind of unnecessary. So I would be looking towards more of a weight-bearing exercises that's gonna target your abs a little bit better um, and just provide you with a much better training stimulus. You need to remember as well that squats and deadlifts and all these compound movements, like they do not actually target your abs well enough for you to see effect of doing that. There's this kind of misconception that if you do lots of squats and you do lots of deadlifts, you don't need to train your abs. That is not the case at all. There's a lot of research which backs that up. So don't fall into that trap. If you do want a six pack, this, this is not me telling you you need to go and train abs all the time. That's not the case. But if you are trying to actually see you know, maybe more thickness, be a little bit more ripped and just have a little bit more of a defined uh, six pack, then potentially start looking at actual exercises that are gonna target your core uh, and not just relying on things like squats and deadlifts. So that's that one. Next one is a little bit more of a difference. We've got more of a lifestyle question here. Initial thoughts on living in a new country. Um, I love it. I'm not gonna lie, I absolutely love it. I love the environment. Um, it's an obviously fantastic weather. It's a really nice community of people out here as well. Everyone's very much in that kind of growth mindset and wanting to achieve big things out here. So it's definitely helped me up to my up my game a little bit as well. I felt like I was probably getting a little bit complacent in the UK at times. And I don't know, like just kind of maybe just, just getting a little bit bored in, in certain areas. And I think coming out here has really helped me spark things up again from a business perspective, from a training perspective, just generally from a lifestyle perspective as well. So yeah, I'm a massive fan of being out here at the moment. Um, I can definitely see myself being out here for quite a long time. I like the fact is it's not too far to come back from the UK as well. I mean, yes, it's like a six, seven hour flight, but it's not too bad. It's very easy. And you know, I can still see my family four four times a year or so to to, to make sure obviously I'm there when, when I need to be. Um, and it's obviously really nice to go back and see friends and family too. Um, but at the same time, Dubai is a fantastic place. And, you know, I do see myself probably being here for, for a little while because I love it. So yeah, that's the thoughts of being in a new country. Um, it's obviously like a lot of differences in terms of kind of how they do things out here, their laws, their beliefs and stuff, which I'm obviously still learning at the moment. Um, but all in all, I think it's a great country. There's a lot of things that I massively agree with. There's a lot of things that I think the UK could do, which which they aren't doing, which Dubai do much better at, in all honesty. I'm not gonna go into too much depth on that. Um, but I think it's a very well-run country. And as long as you don't take the piss and you respect their laws and you respect their beliefs, I think you can do very well in a place like this. Um, so that's my opinion on that one. This is an interesting question. So, well, it's not really a question. I just had a question. Business, not sure what to ask, but keen to learn more. 
Um, okay, so let me run you through my story in terms of how I kind of got into what I'm doing now. Maybe that's kind of a, a nice place to start with. Um, so went to uni. That was kind of my kind of first thing that I, I guess I did when I started to grow up a little bit. I studied sports science, did that, become a personal trainer, did that, got fired from my job at David Lloyd, um, which was actually quite a pivotal moment. Uh, basically just for uh, not doing a pool test um, and, and kind of saying that I did do a pool test to cut a long story short, um, it ended up me actually getting sat for my job. But after that, I then went to become self-employed. That was when I got into self-employment and kind of similar to what I'm doing now. Um, and then I was personal training, did that for a while, built up a good client base. Um, and then COVID hit, went online. Uh, and then that's when I started to build my online presence up, started to learn how to get good results, started to learn how to be a good online coach. Um, and then probably about a year after that, that was when FitLab was born, when I realized that I wanted it to be bigger than just me. It wasn't just going to be the Chris Wright show. I knew that I had something that was quite special, that I believed that would be quite special. And then that's where FitLab was really born. And obviously we started to grow and kind of get to where things are at now. Um, and then obviously it's been a step up to come out here to Dubai to, to carry on kind of living the dream and, and hopefully building something even bigger. So that in a nutshell, um, hopefully answers the question in terms of business of where I'm at now. I'm, I'm very happy. I, I'm not going to lie. I've kind of found a bit of a passion in terms of like entrepreneurship and business. So it's definitely something that I'm learning more about every day. But yeah, I'm extremely excited to be on this journey. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's, it's a good one for sure. So any, oh, this is actually really quite nice into the next question, but I think anyone who's kind of young and has got a bit of a passion for the gym and potentially has looked into doing kind of personal training and coaching, um, I think you can't go wrong with doing it. And I think if you follow your dreams, you're passionate, then most likely things will work themselves out like they kind of have done for me. Next question. So we've got um, advice for an online coach looking to grow. This is an awesome question. So hopefully the last the last questions um, helped give a little bit of an insight into that already. Um, maybe a little bit of uh, sort of value and a little bit of inspiration. In terms of, of advice, so I'm going to give you three points on this. The first is learn how to be a good coach. Learn how to actually get good results. That is your number one thing. Like results speak volumes. There is no way that FitLab would be where it is now without having shown multiple, multiple, multiple times that, that we can do what we that we, people want, right? That we can actually get people a good result, that we can get people in good shape, that we can keep, their, keep them there for life. If we weren't doing that, we wouldn't have a business at all. So the first thing you have to be able to do as a coach is to show that you are good at your job, get good at your craft. I mean, this goes without saying really, but you're probably not going to be able to do that from a uh, a level three personal training course, in all honesty. They do not teach you enough. So you're gonna have to go away and learn things yourself, which means doing lots of reading, which means investing in yourself, just generally getting stuck into self-development and becoming a good coach. So that's the first thing, get good results. And even if that means like training some of your friends, like giving out free advice, there's a couple of times where I've like trained people in the past for free, got them in good shape, and then use that result to obviously then help me kind of show show people that I'm good at what I'm doing and obviously help me kind of get clients from there. So I think sometimes you've got to do things for free to then actually be able to progress and to then be able to charge afterwards. So that's my first point. Secondly, this, I, I just I just can't understand how um, coaches build businesses or, or kind of get to a, a position where they haven't done, already achieved this thing themselves. And I'm just gonna go straight into it. Get into fucking good shape, for fuck's sake. If you are a coach and you are not in good shape and you don't practice what you preach and you don't go to the gym because you're too busy, you, you're just gonna struggle to build a business, in all honesty. Some coaches do it and hats off to them, but I just think that it's almost a little bit of a fraud to, to not actually be practicing what you preach. You need to actually show people that you've got good standards 
You need to show people that you actually live a healthy lifestyle and you actually are a walking, talking billboard of what they want to achieve. And again, going back to FitLab, I know that the clients that we have got, if I wasn't in good shape and if Dan wasn't in good shape, then they would probably not be putting their faith in us as coaches to get them to where they want to be. So we make it an absolute non-negotiable that we have good standards, we get shit done, and we're just fucking in good shape generally all the time to, to, so people know that we are the real deal. So that's the second thing, get into good shape, okay? You don't have to be shredded all the way around, you don't have to have a six pack all the time, okay? Like it depends really with who you're training and what your niche is, but I think you need to make sure you actually are practicing good health and generally having something that people actually want, okay? So that's the second thing. The last thing is invest in yourself, okay? You have to be able to put money into investing, into your education, into your business, Whatever it is, like you will save years, you will save so much time um, in terms of making mistakes and just generally failing. So you have to be able to spend money. When you have got enough money and you obviously aren't gonna kind of cut yourself and, and be completely broke, don't make stupid investments. Um, you need to put some money back into your business, okay? Find a good mentor. I've, I've had lots of mentors now. They've all been really, really good. Um, I've invested in terms of improving stuff around nutrition, around training. I feel like, Every time I made an investment, it's paid off very well for me. Geez, I've even had a, a sleep coach, which has helped me uh, get a lot more of an understanding around how to get a good night's sleep, which has massively helped me. Um, mindset, all these kind of things. So when you are ready and you're in a good position, I can't recommend enough. Uh, you, you, have to, you have to invest in yourself. Okay, that's going to save you so much time. So those are my three biggest tips for a coach. I think if you can do those three things, then you're probably going to get yourself into a very, very good position. Last question, my current training goals. Now, I'm very happy with where things are at the moment, to be honest. Now, I had a bit of a switch up in my training about a month ago. Um, I went from always training towards kind of aesthetics and just being in good shape and, you know, that kind of bodybuilder style approach of like building muscle, losing body fat, cut bulk style thing. Um, I wanted to change because I've been doing it for so long. I've done lots of photo shoots and I felt I was ready to actually do something a little bit different. Um, so I moved to a more hybrid approach. I've got a hybrid coach. And I started to learn how to be a lot more well-rounded, how to run, how to be powerful, how to sprint, everything, whilst also being strong and having a good physique as well. That was my goal, become well-rounded. And I can honestly say that from doing that, like things are in a really good place for me. I'm very happy with my physique. If anything, I'm, I'm probably would say I'm in better shape now after four weeks of training hybrid than I was at the start. Um, and I think that's due to the fact that I'm doing a lot more endurance work. I'm doing a lot more cardio, which is obviously helping burn more calories. And obviously I'm training slightly differently too. I've got more of a different training stimulus. It's more kind of compound movements um, than, than what I was doing before. And it's definitely helped me. So my first training goal is to carry on, like carry on getting fitter, carry on getting stronger and carry on becoming a better hybrid athlete and just generally becoming as well-rounded as I can across the board so that I can do everything. I can run, I can lift, I can jump, <laughs> I can do whatever I want to do. I can swim, um, I can literally do all those things. Um, my second training goal will probably be to do some sort of endurance event. So at some point I want to do a marathon. Um, I want to do an Ironman at some point, which I know is going to be very hard, but I want to do something um, to to kind of mark off a big endurance event. So that is definitely something I'd like to do. I did apply for the marathon next year in London. I didn't get into it, which is pretty standard really, is it's not that likely to get into it when you when you put, put yourself um, forward. But at the same time, there's lots of other opportunities to be able to do one in 
at some point I would love to be able to do a marathon and tick off that so that's going to be one of my big goals probably at some point next year as well um, and the last one is just generally just keep getting fitter and stronger like just keep becoming a better version of myself and enjoying the journey as much as possible um, I'm loving the hybrid stuff at the moment so that's definitely what I'll be carrying on with but at some point I may decide to go back to, to more aesthetics I think I decided I'd like to do a photo shoot out here in Dubai at some point because it's just absolutely sick scenery and settings so I think I want to get ultra lean to do that maybe next year we'll see how things are going um, but definitely at some point I'd like to take that goal off as well um, awesome guys that is all the questions um, answered so I hope you found some of those things useful um, I like these Q&A's I'm definitely going to start doing it a little bit more often um, so I can just kind of talk across the board as well we can go fitness we can go business we can go traveling we can go lifestyle we can talk about everything so hopefully you enjoyed that and took some value from it um, if you did then share to your story give me a tag and I will look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode. Make sure you're subscribing. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure you drop me a five-star review. That would be much appreciated. And guys, I will catch you soon.